podcast series behind the screens hosted by me jock glover strategic relationships director here at square mile investment consulting and research in this series of podcasts we meet members of the investment teams from across the asset management industry whose funds we rate and spend 15 to 20 minutes chatting to them to get some insight into their current thinking this week our guest is aziz hamza lagari who is manager of the 1.2 billion pounds Luma Sales US Equity Leaders Fund, which sits within the Natixis umbrella of companies. The fund looks to grow the value of your investment over time by investing in US companies and has been awarded an A rating by the Square Mile analysts. Aziz, welcome. Thank you very much, Jack, for having me today. My pleasure. Now, Aziz, you and I have got something in common, that's daughters that fall off horses. Um, <laughs> but actually, you do as a manager something that's very different. Um, from a lot of your peers, um, and that is to actually outperform the U.S. equity market after fees as a large cap asset uh, active manager. Um, so I'm going to ask start the start this conversation by asking why is that, and what do you think the current market environment means for you as a, a as a manager? Thank you. Uh, so I really think that you know people when you look at 2022 and 2023. There are two very different markets in that 2022 was a very down year. 2023 is a very up year. And some people may call it risk off and risk on. And But the way we look at the world is very structural. And when we look at the world, for us, risk we have a structural and permanent approach to risk and portfolio management. What that means is that rather than just trying to change our positioning each day, we take a very long-term structural view to our portfolio. Um, and have, it, it, when you look at the key drivers, why we outperformed, last year in the down market, we had businesses like Vertex in our portfolio, um, like Monster Beverage that have done really, really well. This year in the up market, we have companies like Meta, uh, and NVIDIA that has done very well. But our portfolio is really a group of companies with very different business drivers. That means that it's a almost like an all-weather portfolio. Rather than trying to be positioned for an up or a down market, we always start and say, first and foremost, do we have quality businesses in our portfolio? Because at the end of the day, those companies control their own destiny in the long term. They may have short-term dislocations, but overall, two-thirds of the time, they do really, really well. Uh, history shows for quality businesses. Then we focus on growth being profitable and sustainable. Then we always focus on valuation. Um, those three components, quality, growth, and valuation, really prepares you well for all sorts of different markets. We have been managing money for 17 plus years now in these strategies. And we went through 08, 09, 2020, 2022, 2023. And in each one of these instances, before major inflection points, by definition, markets surprised investors. And by definition, most people wouldn't have known 
about these exogenous factors the day before. So I always say it's a risk that you do not see, that you cannot measure, that matters. It's not the one that everyone debates the end degree every day, because that usually means that's already priced in. So we construct a portfolio of different business drivers with high quality businesses. And when the markets are down, when there are drawdowns, if you look at our history, we have done quite well. That's because we always pay attention to valuation. And when markets come back in inflection points, like it did in 23, 2009, um, usually we are pre- pre- prepared really well because market rewards over the long term, good cash flow growth, durable franchises, it- attractive valuations. So I'm going to ask, I've got lots of questions to ask you after that uh, opener. And, and- one is long-term investor. I mean, what's the average sort of holding period for you in a, in a holding the portfolio? So for our track record of 17 years, our portfolio turnover is around 12%. That includes okay. ads and trims, which means that our holding period actually is a decade or longer. And if I were to give some very quick examples for your listeners, uh, the importance of this time horizon. Um, when we look at our holdings, for example, Amazon, we own it since 2006. We asked a simple question, how many managers own Amazon one time or another over the last 17 plus years? And the answer is it's 10,000 plus funds. But if you ask the next question, what portion of these or what percent of these managers owned it for the entirety of these 17 years to get to the benefit of this extraordinary return that this company generated, the answer is less than 1%. And then you go down to the list, like we participated in Visa IPO. You know, there were 8,000 plus funds that participated in the IPO. What percent of them, you know, uh, still own the Visa shares? It's, I think, less than like point three or 0.2%. So it really, it's not just what you own, but how you own it, because that really determines your overall returns in the long term. And your portfolio, it's quite concentrated, I think, isn't it? You don't have hundreds of holdings in your portfolio either, do you? It's correct that we have always a very focused portfolio of historically 30 to 35 names. And top 10 usually is around 50% of our portfolio. Okay. So time horizon of 10 years plus, 30 to 35 really good names. And then the, and that barbell of quality growth and valuation, it's not a barbell, it's, so it's a, it's a three, three levers, isn't it? Do you have particular weightings that you like to have to each of those? Or does it just you have to tick the box for all three of those to get into the portfolio and then hold be held in the portfolio? First, they need to meet all those three criteria because if you think about equities like a bond, <laughs> in order to value a bond, you need to know the duration and the coupons. In an equity, duration is determined by quality because that gives you the competitive advantage period meaning how long this business is going to be able to sustain these 
good returns that we see in the future. So that's your sort of duration. Coupon is your cash flows. <laughs> and that's determined by the growth that we just discussed. You know, what is the market share? What the market growth rate is? Um, and that determines the coupons. And then you can value the business because sometimes people say, oh, this company is cheap. This company is expensive. With no context, it really diffic it's difficult to uh, you know, give a value to an asset. But once you know the duration and the coupons, <laughs> then you can say, this is my estimate of intrinsic value. Based on that, this company is trading at a significant discount or a premium. And our position sizes are a direct byproduct of this risk-reward calculation. So we usually um, start a position in a company and build our position with a predetermined game plan saying we want to increase our weighting as hopefully the stock goes our way, which is, we, believe it or not, we invest in a company, we want the stock to continue to go down so that we can buy this great asset at a bigger weight. So our weights are usually between zero and two and a half percent at the initial uh, entry point, uh, and we built up to five percent, and that's based on the risk reward that we see in a company, and then we max out at five percent at cost and eight percent at market value. Okay, so start trimming once it gets up towards eight, but correct, but, right? Eight okay. We start trimming to control the you know position size uh, and trimming and sell discipline is also all predicated upon risk reward. But we also sell if we find out that our initial thesis was not correct or meaning you know, we were wrong or we find a better risk reward opportunity. Uh, and in the last 17 years of our track record, we sold roughly 60 companies in, from our portfolio, of which half of them we sold it because they reach intrinsic value, roughly a quarter of them because we made an initial um, mistake in our key assumptions. And, and another quarter we sell because we find a better opportunity to finance a better opportunity we sell a company. And, and with all this chat of risk, and you've mentioned how you think about it's not just risk on, risk off in what markets are doing. As a, a manager of a large cap equity fund in what has been a pretty tough rising inflation environment until recently, interest rates have been hiked up to levels people haven't seen for 20 plus years in some instances. Um, lots of investors are in that sort of risk off mode whether I can go and get cash, I can get interest at 4 or 5% at the bank, why would I put my money at risk in markets? Uh, do, you, do you have a th any views on that in terms of the opportunities that you're seeing as a manager in this market now today, looking forward? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, first of all, I would start by saying that when, um, you know, I remember when we started managing money in 2006, I would have meetings where people would say things like, you know, US market is a very mature market. Why wouldn't you invest in emerging markets? Or, um, you know, active management is difficult. And actually, in 2010, you look back, the prior decade, the entire decade 
was a flat market, very tough environment. And fast forward 2006 to now, in 17 years, we compounded returns at around 14, 15%. <laughs> and there were a lot of ups and downs. So I think investors really would be so much better served with a disciplined approach to asset allocation rather than trying to time things. Because by the time people, again, can see, smell, and appreciate a risk, usually that risk would be priced in. And look how many people got it wrong in 2008. 2009? How many people got it wrong in 2022 and 2023? Who would have said at the beginning of 2008 that there would be a market that would be down 30 plus percent or 2022 down more or than 20, around 20 percent and vice versa for the following years? So I really think that one has to have a structural and permanent approach to risk rather than dial in, dial out. And the reason for that is the risk with that is being reactive and late uh, rather than being proactive <laughs> um, and early <laughs> in your positioning. So I think that people should just look and say, here's a bucket of managers that I want to allocate based on assets, pick the better managers, hopefully from each category and stick to that discipline because otherwise there are all these studies that show that um, for example, in the pension world, um, how decisions made can, because of market timing, I would call, uh, in terms of dialing up, dialing down, how actually people destroy value rather than adding value. Same thing, actually, even hiring and firing managers, you know, uh, the same outcome, uh, you know, people react to the most recent history. And that recent buys, unfortunately, yields suboptimal results in the long term. Great. Thank you. Now, um, let's just turn to you and your team uh, a little bit. Um, we talked about what's going on in the, in the, in the markets uh, a bit. So how do you and the team split your day in terms of what you do time-wise, in terms of doing research company meetings, internal meetings, meeting managers, all that sort of stuff? What how, how how does your team support you and what do you do and how, how does that all break down? We spend most of our day doing research and doing research means, you know, meeting with the management teams of the companies that we uh, invest in or think about investing in <laughs> in the future, meeting with their entire value chain, meaning uh, or talking to their customers, their suppliers, um, spending a lot of time with as a group with our analysts thinking and going through our key assumptions. Um, but at the end of the day, the most important activity is doing independent, deep thinking um, about our businesses and our what I call value chains or profit pools that we want to invest in so that we can get to the insights that are key in our decision-making. But in a typical day, it is really doing a lot of reading, a lot of meetings with um, you know, companies and their customers and suppliers, um, and um, you know, talking to uh, key players in the value chain. 
and and within when you're then constructing this quite sort of focused portfolio of 30 to 35 sort of stocks you're just focusing on each company and all those nuts and bolts you've just described rather than having a thematic i think you know it's going to be great for healthcare companies with the next um you, you know what happens next in you know republicans democrats whatever you know it, it's not thematic driven then it's all bottom up is this a good company how does it fit into the the process and how does it grow great question because it is not a top down approach as you said based on teams but rather a bottom-up approach. And the reason for it is very simple. Let's say that we were having this podcast. We wouldn't have a podcast, but interview, let's say, back in 1923 rather than 2023. And I yeah. came to, I have this grand vision for the next century, <laughs> which is that there will be a day where there will be a flight from each city to each city in the globe, and aviation will be the biggest thing that we will be facing over the next 20, 30, 50 years, let's say. And therefore, I'm going to invest in airlines. <laughs> so it would have been a terrible investment because how many airlines went bankrupt? TWA and, and so on and so on. And so I really think it is as important to first always start with the quality of the business, but of course, we're a growth investor then which means we are looking at opportunities that provide us well above average growth rates versus the overall GDP, global GDP, whether it be online advertising, uh, which we invested with Meta in with its IPO in 2012, or Google se- you know, 17 years ago, whether it be obesity and diabetes, which we invested in Nova Nordisk in 2014, whether it be NVIDIA, which, by the way, we invested in 2019 for you know, AI, and NVIDIA was the worst performing stock in Q4 of 2018. It was down, I think, 40% or so. We took you know, the opportunity and invested in it. Or digitization of payments like Visa uh, or e-commerce. You know, Amazon, we invested in 17 years ago. Shift to cloud, CRM. Uh, Salesforce, meaning Salesforce, Oracle, Google, Microsoft, these are all, you know, um, except Salesforce, they're all 17-year holdings. Or something like energy drinks, you know, per capita spending is the fastest growing category in beverages. Uh, We invested in Monster 10 years ago. So all of these, they're not, they're what we call their business drivers. You can equate it to a team. The difference is in Thematic investing, you say something is great and I'm going to go and invest. We do the opposite. We start from the bottom up. And also, as important, it's not just to determine what's going to provide growth. It needs to be profitable growth. But in addition to that, you need to be able to pick the winner. This is very important. If you go back and look at, for example, data networking 30 years ago, there were Cisco systems, but there were many other companies, Bay Networks, Cabletron Systems. People even don't remember those names because they don't exist anymore. If you go back, look at databases, there was Oracle. There was also uh, Informix and you know uh, Borland. And again, these companies do not exist today. So I think there's big danger in investors, especially in growth investing, 
having this thematic approach and they just go and buy a slew of companies and hope for the best. Electric vehicles is a great example. <laughs> like we yeah. invest in a company, Tesla, we are not going and buying everything to do with EV uh, because I think at the end of the day, part of our job is to determine who's going to win and why. Okay. So I'm, I'm conscious of time. I mean, this has been a fantastic conversation. So I'm going to ask you one final question. Um, and that's what keeps you up at night as a manager? What is it that you worry about? Obviously, with long holding periods and a focused portfolio, um, and it's all bottom up, so you must know the companies pretty well. Do you, do you sleep like a baby or do you worry uh, at night on a regular basis you've got something wrong? Yeah, so I start my day very early. I get on my bike either outside, weather permitting, or inside at home. And then I go to work, in, which I love. I love what I do. I want to do it until my health permits me doing it. <laughs> I think I will. I will be one of those guys that will, I think, just die on in the job. Like because I, I, I don't see it as a job. I love it. So I look forward to each day, uh, and because I also love the people I work with. I mean, I have been working with the same people for two decades now. Um, so my day, I will say, is really joyful. Because I'm doing exactly what I want. I'm fortunate enough. And I spend, it's a very dense and full day. It's usually like 18 hours. And I come home with my family, spend my time. So I sleep really well because I invest in great, we invest in great businesses. That doesn't mean I don't think about things. But what keeps me, if I'm awake, it's because none of these stuff that we can control and I love doing, you know, if I have a great team, of people that I worked for a long, long time. If anyone from my family or friends or, um, you know, my team members, colleagues, if any one of them are going through some sort of thing, whether it be health issue or some difficulty, those are the kind of things that will keep me at night. But most of the time, uh, I sleep really well because I need those six hours. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> that was a, a great answer. So the answer is you don't worry about the portfolio, but you're worrying about your friends and colleagues and family. And I think that's a, a wonderful way to finish this podcast. So um, all that remains is for me, uh, Jock Glover, to thank today's guest, which is Aziz Hamza Gulari, uh, who's the manager of the Loomis Sales US Equity Leaders Fund, for his thoughts and insights today, and you, the listeners, for your support. Uh, I said every week, I don't think anyone's done it yet, but try and be the first somebody. If you would like to contact us, please do so through our webpage, www.squaremileresearch.com or by emailing us at info at squaremileresearch.com. This podcast is only aimed at professional advisors and regulated firms and should not be passed on to or relied upon by any other persons. It is not intended for retail investors who should obtain professional or specialist advice before taking or refraining from any action on the basis of this podcast. Remembering past performance is not an indication of future performance. It is published by and remains the copyright of Squaremore Investment Consulting and Research. Squaremore makes no warranties or representations regarding the accuracy or completeness of the information contained herein. This podcast represents the views and forecasts of Squaremore at the date of issue and may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. Nothing in this podcast shall be deemed to constitute a regulated activity or an invitation or inducement to engage in investment activity, and it is not a recommendation to buy or sell any funds or investments that are mentioned during this podcast. Thank you.